Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word. We'd ask that we would uh, stand before your son submissively, ready to do his bidding. Make us represent him well. In your son's name, amen. I was, I know you don't like the mental image of tub time at the big house. But it really was, stepping into the tub this morning that this passage came to mind. Sat, sat there soaking in my own broth, uh, thinking about it, knowing I had no Bible within reach, let alone a record of when did I preach on it last. So I meditated. Leslie said, too long. It was longer than usual. Uh, went downstairs, got a cup of coffee, and headed to the library, and looked up Matthew 23, and lo and behold, a mere five months ago, I preached through all of Matthew 23. Well, how could this be, I said to myself. I, I, I've been thinking about this in the tub. I looked at what the sermon had been on back in July, and it was uh, stressing different elements of this. And what had come to mind about Matthew 23 is just this portion, short section, verses 1 through 10. Uh, where Christ tells us very clearly what we ought not do, ought not be like. And it's about religious things. And here we are being religious, so what a, a good uh, matchup between a passage and what we do. Now on this front, I want you to be thinking in three areas. Uh, how this affects you, how this affects them, them will be defined later, and how this affects him with a capital H. Then said Jesus to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do, for they preach, but do not practice. They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by men, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and salutations in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. Verse 8, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, you are all brethren. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called masters, for you have one master the Christ. It's just a section out of a portion of teaching that Jesus Christ was doing to his disciples where he's meditating on the religious leaders of his day. The largely, they're not priests, the Pharisees were, were lay, lay teachers, lay students like most Christians today are you know, studying their Christian life and trying to get somewhere with it. That's what Pharisees were. They were not priests. Uh, they had a reputation, admired by many, uh, not wanting to be joined by many, but admired by an awful lot. 
But when he gets to this section of don't call yourselves rabbi, because remember that there's the application is to ourselves, but you are not to be called. Sometimes when you read a passage like this, we think it's a warning that only uh, when you're bumping up against uh, somebody who wishes to be called rabbi, which is just a word for teacher, father or, or master. And it applies to them. That's the them. There's a reason they want to be called teacher. You've met those kind of tools. Get their doctorate and whatever, and they want you to call them doctor. Well, sure, they worked hard on it, but oh, it's so icky to be that person. Well, call me doctor. Uh, no. Oh, what's the line? Don't call me Francis. Lighten up, Francis. Anybody know the uh, reference? Stripes. Stripes. Okay, thank you. We have an Orthodox church. There are people who want to be called rabbi, and there are people who want to be called father, and there are people who want to be called master. And there are reasons for that, and there are reasons you call them rabbi, and there are reasons you call them father, and there are reasons you call them master, and you shouldn't, they shouldn't want it, and you shouldn't give it. Because the Lord said, don't do that. Call no man. You are not to be called. You are not to want it. You are not to call it. And in Christian ethics, for the, for the New Covenant believer, it's not merely, oh, here's a line, Jesus drew it in the sand, and don't do it. What, if, what about don't do it are you uh, failing to comprehend? People who want to just say, that's the rule, Jesus said it, that settles it. We're New Covenant believers. We, we want to be, we're led, being led by love. We're being led by understanding. When it says don't visit a prostitute, he tells you why you don't visit a prostitute. It's not that it's against the rules. So here, when you look at something like this, and you go, what? What's wrong with that? I mean, these sound like, given especially that these are kind of real cozy terms in religious circles. Now, because I'm not applying this path. When you talk to your algebra instructor and you call him teacher, you're not violating this. When you look at your, you know, your biological father and say, father, you're not being disobedient to this. When the person who bought you and owns you uh, gives you a command, you say, yes, master, like you're supposed to. This is about people in religious circumstances. He's coming out of that passage on the Pharisees, and he goes right into more condemnations of the Pharisees right after this. This is about your inclination in religious circles to, want, to have people call you teacher. You say, well, aren't there teachers in the church? It actually discusses how the Holy Spirit brings about teachers in the church. It warns you, let not many of you become teachers, my brethren. It warns us about that, but teachers are there. Teachers are beneficial. So Jesus must be wrong. Well, he didn't say nobody should be teaching. 
you should not want to be called and you should not call is a different matter. We'll get to why or how that, how that works in a bit. So what is, what's going on when somebody wants to be called these things? They want to have a relationship with you. And you could listen, come up with some others here. I, I, this is a failure. If you don't do what the Lord said and you don't have a reason for doing it, you don't understand why you're doing it, you're, you're going to be doing it for certain reasons. And I threw some down just trying to come up with a quick list here. Having people, teachers you claim as teachers, what does that do for you? Well, you don't have to do much of the heavy lifting. Right? Because the teacher, the pro, has already got probably a book he wrote of his systematics that you could, the, the desire for coherence and an idea. You could either read this, heavens, try to, you know, understand what God has said, and you know that it's not easy. Oh, yeah, it isn't. And the teacher, he's already done all the work about putting it all together into a system. It's quicker coherence. So your viewpoints are, you know, quick, more quickly valid. It's a quick loyalty, too. It's a felt loyalty. You know who you're loyal to in reference to who you're not loyal to. If you're a fan of John Piper and you're not a fan of R.C. Sproul, you know. You know where your loyalties lie. The fatherhood aspect. What is that when you say, yes, father? When you speak of the head of your monastic order as father, which abbot would be, oh, abbot, abbot, means father. And when you say that, you're not saying what you would say when you would say rabbi. Rabbi, it's a claim of loyalty to a set of positions, the information coming to you out of that guy. There's a being loved and belonging. You're setting up little kingdoms of what to anyone's examination. This is a hard, one of the hardest things for Christians to agree to be obedient to. Because the world, the temptation of it is in, you might say, good Christian things writ small. You should belong. You should have that feeling of being loved. You should have that kind of connection with each other. You should have that ear for the teaching that, that says, yes, I, a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Uh, God gave us teachers to do this, that, and the other thing. But there is something here that is being forbidden. It's not Jesus was smoking weed and just didn't know what he was saying. He didn't get to this point and go, oh man, I don't know, let's just say some words and string them together. Obviously, he doesn't want you to do this, whatever this is, and the this has a reason. Masters, when you call a man a master, that means that he has, you are an expression of his will. Oh boy, religious leaders love that. 
Religious leaders love that. Other people love it too. You always ran into those uh, martinets, people who made made rank at a certain point, and they 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 thought they made Lieutenant JG, and they think they're an admiral. You know, there's a they love giving orders. Some of you may be those people, bossy but bossy pants. You just love you. Would no one in their right mind would ever give you stripes because it would be hell for everyone else. But masters, the, the temptation to them, those that are masters, is that their will is expected to be lived by you. So when you call them master, you're offering them your life to their will. You're offering your life to their wars. And believe me, someone who is big on having other Christians submit to them and call them master, this is kind of cultish, is uh, interested in going to war with the other branches of the faith because that's why you have a distinct, not Jesus Christ moment. Because I said, there are approaches to this. There's you. You don't do it. You don't get called it. Then there are people who want to be called it and do call what they're up to. And then what we sometimes forget in a, in a negative commandment, this is not Jesus Christ going, you know, grasshopper, we're all the same. We just have to learn to get along. We just have to, there are no masters. There is no I in team. There is no, you know, there are all the kind of things that deny rank. He says, no. You don't call anyone rabbi because you have one rabbi. You don't call anyone father because your father's in heaven, for heaven's sake. And you call no one master because you have one master, the Christ. He's basically saying, me. God. That's where, because the application and the positive of this is that because you are so entranced with Jesus Christ and what he taught, that anyone who sets himself up as the purveyor of all things for Christian living, they may have a lot of good stuff to give you. But you're listening for the voice of Christ in it. You're not listening for the voice of John Piper or R.C. Sproul, Charles Spurgeon, C.S. Lewis, and dare I say it, Evan Wilson. As, as true as everything I'm saying is, you could take that to the bank. Well, no. That's the danger. It, it besets us all. We all want to have these things that, that are tricked out for us in a church situation where you have that belonging, that love, that endearment, that, that submission. And Jesus is going, you, you don't seem to understand. The world is different. It is not like He's condemning things that were recommended in the law about your phylacteries and the fringes on them through all generations, it said. And the Jews were just being faithful to the law and going, you guys don't know what you're up to. You are now being dealt with individually with an individual authority line to Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. Now, that's what 
in many cases, what fails to be the, I might say, the uh, positive admonition, edification when you read through this, you both would say, don't call Catholic priests or Anglican priests father. Which is an application of this. I mean, if there was ever an application, somebody in a religious role being called father, I don't care how traditional it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> you go back to the beginning and the Lord says, don't do that. You have one father who is in heaven. So there. Well, but he would be offended. I don't care. He set himself up against the Christ. I'm not making these rules. I'm just applying them. But we want to understand, now a guy who gets called father is not necessarily someone who's going home to his voodoo image of Jesus and punching it in the face because, of course, he doesn't like Jesus if he disobeys Jesus. No, I think they're dear believers, in many cases, who just don't see the scriptures and our Lord as that which we follow and obey and are taught by. So, when you're not following and obeying and taught by our Lord, you will be following and obeying and taught by, dear heavens, the church. You will, sub you will let your Christ and the Holy Spirit be set aside in your life so that you no longer think of your God in heaven as your father. And you think of some earthly man as your father. Or your rabbi. Or your master. And it fits so well. This has been disobeyed for so many centuries. There's a lot of tradition and, and you kind of like being a Franciscan or a Jesuit or a what's uh, I, I named my theology Clan McEvan. So, you know, there's that. We have a nice tartan. Clan McEvan. I hope that keeping it ludicrous enough will keep people from ever joining it. But we like these things. And we like them done religiously. We like to go play in, you do know that Christians, I have a friend who's been going through revelation after revelation recently. Um, not the book of revelation, just personal revelation when he's realized what his church teaches him has no bearing in scripture. It's not some awful evil thing they're suggesting. It just has no scriptural warrant. None. And he's trying to wrap his head around it. He's trying to bring it up in his conversations with his friends. And they're going, they're looking at him like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? So it's not in the Bible. What are you doing? What are you thinking? We love to have these distinctives. And we'll make ourselves distinct from other brethren. We'll be followers of certain schools of thought. But in a warning, Matthew 10, here on the left-hand side, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. That also came up in Tristan's reading this morning in John 13, was it? Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than him who sent him. So not only do you step down, not only do you step down, into disobedience for, you might say, a thread of fanciful enjoyments 
the nature of inner ringness, the nature of us versus them, the nature of loyalty and belonging, whatever you want to call it, you decided to disobey Jesus Christ. But you lowered the bar of what you as a servant to this master was going to ever obtain to. If C.S. Lewis is your master, if John Piper is your master, if John MacArthur, I don't care, we pick a name, you will never be greater than that. You are being asked to become like the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not being asked to become like John MacArthur. And some people, tragically, would like it very much if they did. Or like it very much if they became just like C.S. Lewis. They could die happy. If someone said, he said, this is me, uh, you know, fouling my own nest. I have a tweed jacket on. I put on weight. I just did this for the, for the role. I should go bald. I should smoke cigarettes. Because these are elements that, that my, my uh, rational master, C.S. Lewis, is like. And wouldn't it be great by the time I was at 75, so I got about, what's that, 12 more years, 75? The word about town, you know, muttered in coffee shops and bars. Have you heard of that Evan Wilson? He's just like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> and word comes to me, I'm sitting on my porch, being like C.S. Lewis. And someone trots up all, a, 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 you know, thrilled. Master, he would say, and genuflect. I heard down at Bootser's that you're just like C.S. Lewis. Tears would roll down my face. I have arrived, I'd die right then in my moment of apotheosis. Wouldn't that, for someone who likes C.S. Lewis, and I do, I really do, I'm, I know I'm not like him, but that shouldn't be what I'm about. I'm not about becoming like C.S. Lewis. I have one master, the Christ. And I want to be, if I can't be greater than whatever I set the bar at, and you might say, well, I'll never get to that. John MacArthur knows so much about the Bible, or whoever the character is. I want to be like Augustine. I want to be, pick something, but pick wisely, because your Lord says he's got something in your life. The positive aspect is he is your teacher. He is your father. He is your master. And do you, you came to Christ finding him as teacher, father and master. And he wants, I, I recently, last couple of years, I've been talking about, a little bit more about the idea of seeking God. Um, how important that is for you to be seeking God, and how important to God is it that you be seeking God. He seems to like those who seek him. Now, uh, we don't just say, it is good for you not to call an earthly man master teacher or, or, or father, and it's good for them not to want to be called those things, and you should be calling your God 
your Christ to these things. Not just because it's the positive right thing to do, but because your God likes it. This is Malachi 1.5, A son honors his father, a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. We don't recognize that we not only fail to do the right thing, but that when doing the right thing, we please the God we did it to. We, we, we honor him. And he is, well done, good and faithful servant. And conversely, when you do it wrong, he's a little PO'd. When the, when the Jews said, hey, we want a king, he comes, he comes in and says, you have rejected me. He didn't say, you have rejected democracy. No, you've rejected me as king over you. Because you admit that in the civic order you needed an earthly king who would punish you and raise armies and pay your taxes to, you would have to have it that way. The choice is, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who was led by his God. I'm not the kind of person who wants to be led by his God. The God, since we believe in God, you know, we believe that God is actually there, an agent, a, a, a mover, a sentience, a mind. He either is pleased or he is displeased. Now, it says in Acts 20, I had a couple more passages that I wanted to go through as sort of echoes. My main thing was, what are we up to? Give yourself some time to look at those things. Why would I call somebody that? How can I be how can I be taught? How can I be taught and not turn that person into a teacher? Uh, because we're so, sort of radical Anabaptists around here and there's like zero organization, that doesn't mean things negative can't happen. Uh, people wonder. Nehemiah New comes to the church and goes, Pastor, Pastor Wilson? Well, I've got an objection to that. Helena calls me Pastor Wilson all the time, despite the beatings. But that, uh, you always wonder, what, to, what do you do? What do you, how do you function in this situation? Is there a, I mean, the pastor gets to stand two steps higher than the rest of you. I get a microphone. And uh, you have to listen to me. I got, some, I got some rank. What does that rank mean? What is that? Uh, someone might say, well, uh, can, we, can we borrow some chairs from the church? With my blessing, son. We are in situations where we, we're faced with this you might say, crisis of how am I to be? What am I to be functioning like so that I treat the pastor correctly and I treat my God correctly? This is what you should be looking for, watching out for Acts 20, 27. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I want you to focus on that a little bit. He declared to them the whole counsel of God. Paul did not think in Pauline terms. We think of Paul in Pauline terms. We treat Paul incorrectly 
because we say he is Pauline. He is not. He is an apostle declaring the whole counsel of God. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. He's talking to elders here from Ephesus who had come down to visit him in Miletus. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with the blood of his own son. So, as we look back at this choice of who do we think of as teacher, father, master, you have to realize that he's an involved party in whether or not you failed to call him that, failed to think of him as that, that he paid a significant price for that. The reason you became a Christian was because of the price he paid. It's what you sought. He obtained you, the church, by his blood of his son. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Because that's the choice. You either give them over to the whole counsel of God and the Holy Spirit, those obtained by the blood of his Son, given to that force, <clears throat> or you also know that people coming along who like to have the rewards of people keeping their views. Like I've said before, I don't know of any of you, except my dear wife, who agrees with me on things. And I'm fine with that. Never knowing, just believing. Because I don't actually care. I want you to know what the Lord teaches. And this is what Paul does. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now, listen to this, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, I'm happy to grant you to that word, to the teaching of the counsel of God. The word of his grace, God himself, he's your master, not St. Paul. Now, Paul rolled the dice here. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. This is after the third missionary journey. Stopped at Miletus. Called the elders down from Ephesus where he had taught for three years. And warned them. And granted them and commended them to this. We ought to do the same, I think. But don't think because it's the same as what the Apostle did that it will succeed. At the end of 2 Timothy, he tells you, he tells you at the end of 2 Timothy, that these very people, all in Asia, this is Asia, have deserted me. They became non-Pauline. Or they started to follow teachers, maybe not speaking perverse things, but just different things. We know how different Asia became because John the uh, uh, Revelator writes to the seven churches of Asia and some of them are in pretty bad shape. So it doesn't promise you success in this. This is an oughtness. It doesn't say, yeah, the church will all work out if you just commend people to the word of God. No. 
you could lose your job. Somebody could spring up in the congregation of the saints, who is, say, more winsome and more svelte than I, maybe knows his biblical languages, maybe has very entertaining views. I could lose. It's not the point whether you win or whether you lose, it's whether you do what you ought. I appeal to you, brethren, this is Corinthians 1, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no dissensions among you, and that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brethren. What I mean is that each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if you've been slapped aggressively by a scripture, but how does the Christian church stand for centuries with one heel back, jaw jutted out, looking at Jesus like, no, I'm not doing it. We're going to do it our way. We're, pick a name, Lutherans. I mean, my gosh, it's named for the guy, Luther. So at least we're Baptists. Named for a, an act. But we're using it the same way. We don't belong to Baptistness. Baptistness was not crucified for you. I wasn't baptized. Tragically, I think some people are probably baptized in the name of baptism. It's, been, it's more about kind of the way we're doing it. We're credo-baptists, or we're pedo-baptists, and we're baptizing with this understanding because that makes the baptism valid. No. Jesus Christ is the center of your baptism. When you realize that we tend to not be willing to just offer Jesus, just like we offer Jesus Christ to the ungodly, for them to repent and turn. And I can't force them, I can't make them believe, I can't make them bow the knee. Same is true in the church. You will not win this. People enjoy being like the world. They enjoy running the church this way because it's got so many perks. The people underneath the authorities get to have the authorities. They get to belong to a group. They get to feel loved and belong and have loyalties. And the people up at the top get to walk and have the best seats in the synagogue and be called teacher by men. All works out. Don't think you'll win. Don't think you'll ever be. Because we're not told in responding to this, that we need to come up with some church-wide document, doctrine, that will force this to happen. Like we're the one group. I belong to Christ. That would be when he says, I belong to Cephas, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Paul, I belong to Christ. Well, that's what we would do if we realized, oh, see, see we're, we're here... Uh, pointing you back to Jesus Christ and so we 
We are the, the Christ followers. And you'll have groups that will try to pull that one. You really have to let it go. You just have to say, will I pick up my Lord's admonition? Not will we, a group to which you can loyally belong, which follow Christ because we're Christ followers. If you start thinking of you being Christ followers in distinction between you and other believers in Jesus Christ, they are not really Christians or not as much Christian as you. You got it wrong. You're a Christian. Do you spend time looking at what the Lord taught? But brethren, 1 Corinthians 3, I could not address you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even yet you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving like ordinary men? And when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely men? This is why it's so comfortable to do. It's just like us. We like these kinds of identifications. We like inner ringness. We like dominance. Men especially like to throw their will around. But we're Christians. What are, we, what are we up to in this? What then is Apollos? Verse 5. What is Paul? Because that's out there. Apollos is teaching. Paul is teaching. And then they're complaining about people listening to them and holding to the Pauline view or the Apollonian view. It's how we think about it. How we think of teachers. How you personally, not we as a group, you personally, think of teachers and where you go for your growth. Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Got it? He who plants or he who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. Your experience has to be with God in Christ. I mean, that's the nature of your experience. Not coming into Christ, following Christ. You ought to be saying, how do I know more of him in my meditation, in my reading? Not how do I know more of the Anabaptist tradition, or how do I know more of the Presbyterian tradition, or how do I know, I know more of whatever tradition you want to be a part of. If you want to get that information, God bless you, but don't let it sidetrack. Don't let you make it, you think that you're finding Christ. Find Christ. Because he gives the growth. God gives the growth. These teachers, to the degree they point you back to the authority of the word of God, that's what Paul had done. He commended them to the to God and the word of his grace. He, he taught them the whole counsel of God. Pastors have authority insofar as they represent the word of God deal. He who plants and he who waters are equal. He shall receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field, God's building. God gives the growth. Uh, and all this is asking of you is not changing a single thing in our liturgy or our, the vestments of the clergy. Or, but watching out for you, when you see things that look like it's to be seen by men and to be called rabbi in the marketplace, when you start to see the church start going in for the earthly credits, that you're, 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 if you're a good football player, you should get that Super Bowl ring, if you're that good. If you are a great businessman, you should be um, awarded financially and in the credits of your community for the businessman of the year. No problem. That's the way the world needs to function in the thing the world is doing. But we're doing, in this situation, Christianity. What do we, we don't want to do it that way. We don't want to act like mere men. And if I don't have a distinction between what I serve in an earthly fashion and a heavenly fashion, do I see God, my Father in heaven, as my only Father? Do I get up in the morning and think that He is my Father? Christ is my master. I thought of this passage at the very end as I was trying to run out the door before I printed this out. And it's Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Consequently, there is a warning. Not only is God against you, though you are doing everything in the name of Jesus, you're doing everything because you're mere men and setting up groups and setting up loyalties, to doctrines rather than to your Lord. Believe what you believe because your Lord has told you to believe it. You are God's field, you're his labor. If he wants to build you into something, if it's going to stay built. You want that kind of Christianity that stays built? Have the Lord built it. You want to have that awful moment a decade from now when you realize the group you're in is a steaming pile and you didn't know it? and it messed with you for 10 years and you're tempted to walk away from the faith because you're so bitter. You don't want that? Have the Lord build the house and the Lord is going to build it this way. Let's thank God. Thank you, Lord, we're grateful for being our Father. Thank you for your Son who is our Master and thank you for Him being our Rabbi. Keep each of us, each of us, making that decision to reach into your presence to find what you have to lead us and you will teach us to be and do. In your son's name we pray. Amen. On the